Happy Easter, Christ is risen. I just want to talk to you this morning about what matters most. I get asked all the time, what's the most important thing about our Christian faith? And so let's jump into 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you unless you believed thus in vain. For I delivered to you as of the first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to those Scriptures, and that He appeared unto Caiaphas and then to the Twelve. That's what matters most. What matters most is that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose from the dead, and that he appeared unto many, proving that very resurrection. The cross, that thing that is idolized, it is worn, it's despised, we gold-plate it, we wear it around our neck. In fact, some people even trash it. And yet, it is the cross. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection that we celebrate this morning that is the central, highest, most important, essential thing in our faith. Isn't it interesting in this time, uh, everybody's talking about what's essential or what's non-essential. Well, what is essential to you and to I is the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And what they could not keep from happening was Easter. No matter what's going on in the world, Easter has and is still happening. It is that gospel that Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And this morning, I thought I would just talk about the simplicity and the essentiality of that message and of that gospel. So many times, people twist it and they mix it. And what I'm about to share with you this morning is not necessarily original with me. The first time I ever heard of it or saw it was many years ago in Colorado. Uh, Anthony Carbo actually began to make me think about it. And from there, I've begun to realize that your perspective will shape your view of the gospel itself. And, and sometimes we need our perspectives challenged. Easter's a great time to challenge that perspective, actually. I mean, when they didn't find Jesus in that tomb, it challenged the perspective of the Pharisees, right? It's never wrong to challenge the perspective of religious people because they can get stuck in a rut and think that the only way to see something is the way they think it is. And so this morning, I, I may challenge a few of you. I, I actually hope that I do, because I, I do think that we need a clear view, a clear picture of the gospel that Paul said is the most important thing that there is in our faith. Now, in order to do that, we have to establish a few things. We have to establish, number one, that God is like Jesus. That if you see Jesus, you've seen God. That Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That Jesus is the revelation, the manifestation of the invisible God. So that every time we see Jesus working, we're seeing God working. That God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Number two, we have to accept the reality that God doesn't change. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That the way he was in the Old Testament is the way he is in the New Testament. The way he is in the New Testament is the way he was in the Old Testament. That there's not two different gods just because we move from the old to the new. And that God's going to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, number one, 
God is like Jesus. So when we see Jesus, we see God. When we see Jesus doing what Jesus does, then we see God doing what God is doing. Number two, he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then that self-revelation, God is love. That, that if you're going to define God, you have to define God as being love, generous, kind, gracious, merciful, and that it's not based on conditions, but it's unconditional, that God doesn't come to us and says, okay, if you do this, I'll create you. If you do that, I'll be nice to you. If you do that, no, God is unconditional love. All the way through the scriptures, we find out that we know this love because he gave his life for us, that he died for us, that while we were yet sinners, he came for us. So we have to accept the fact that God is love that's immeasurable, incomprehensible. It's not human love superabundant. It's, it's a love that we just can't even comprehend it. It's unapproachable in our own thinking. Number four, we have to recognize that that love is unchanging. It's unfailing. Jeremiah says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. It, it'll never end. God will never go, oh, time's up. Now I don't love you anymore. There you go. No, God's love is not like that. God, God's, love is, God's love is not surprised when a two-year-old uh, acts badly. You, you never see God going, ah, I can't take you anymore, go away. That, no, God's love is eternal, it's everlasting, it never changes. And, and finally, the fifth thing we have to accept as true is that God is a spirit. That the scriptures tell us God is spirit, which means he transcends this and that he sent his spirit into our hearts whereby we receive the revelation of who God is, that he sends his spirit into our hearts and we cry, Abba, Father. We have this personal experience with God, that God is not attained by study, but that rather God is received because he comes and lives inside of you and I, and we become the temple, if you will, of the presence of God. So, so, so number one, when you see Jesus, you see God. God is like Jesus. Uh, number two, he never changes. He stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's love. No, number four, he's everlasting, eternal, will always be that love that's unconditional. And number five, he's a spirit. So he lives inside of you and I today, that, he, that he's not off somewhere hovering someplace else, but that he's approachable today. Now, I have to tell you, in, in my life, uh, I, I see two various views of the gospel. One of them uh, is rather limiting and it's transactional. And uh, I get it. I, I understand it jurisdictionally. Uh, and it's this transaction. And the other one is transformational. And it transforms your life and continues to transform your life. One of them is just an act, an event. And let me tell you, Easter was an event. I get it. But Easter is still happening. There was a resurrection, right? Jesus was resurrected. But, but we're walking into that resurrection, and that resurrection is transforming us always, continually, and so we transcend. So there's kind of two ways of looking at the gospel. One of them is that it was an event. It happened. It's transactional. I believe it, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the other side of that coin is... It's an ongoing reality how God comes into our life daily and we're being transformed and we're transcending and we're ever growing in the reality that he is the resurrection and the life and that's continually being renewed in our, in our world. And, and I think sometimes those views of the gospel begin to countermand one another and we get stuck in one or the other. I, I want to just talk to you this morning uh, about both of them and let you kind of ruminate over them. So I'm not trying to take a position and create tension. I'm, I'm just trying to 
to say to you. And if you've seen some of this before, good. Uh, but uh, I'm going to use chairs this morning, and uh, we're going we're to use these instruments to try to convey it. So this is God. Say with me, God, right, right there where we are. This is God, and this is man, okay? So the, the story goes something like this. God, God created man in his likeness and image. And so God creates man, and man is in his likeness and image. And then man rebels against God and eats the apple. You know the story. He eats the apple and he turns from God, and God is displeased with him, and God turns his back on man. And they're separated, right, because of the disobedience of man. And then the Bible says that God became like man and that he died on a cross and that he took our sins and that if man believes God, that God receives man. But if man doesn't believe Jesus, then God turns his back on man and they remain separated from one another. And if man turns back to God, then God turns back to man. But if man turns his back on God, then God turns his back on man and we're forever separated. I, I want to I say that, that I understand that and I... I I fully agree that man needs to turn towards God, that I'm not. But I want, I want to enlarge that transaction, jurisdictional view of God. And I, I want, to, want to just make some suggestions. How God, God created man, and man is in relationship with God. And then man turned his back on God and reached for knowledge and understanding apart from God, and he was separated from God. But I, w I want to suggest that the, the real issue is that death. The real issue is, is not just the separation. The real issue, issue is that man died apart from God, a and that, that, that Adam broke the relational reality of God that Adam failed to depend on his relationship with God to grow him and to give him and so that Adam could receive and continue to be in the likeness. He, he, he broke the relational issue and because of the breach in relationship, then there was death. And, and so, hence the problem. I also want to suggest that, that perhaps God follows man. That he follows man out into his disobedience and that he kills a lamb and he clothes Adam. And he clothes his nakedness and that he creates a way for Adam to continue to relate to him. I want to suggest to you that when Cain and Abel go out into the darkness and out of the garden, that God follows them out into the garden. And even when Cain kills Abel, murders. And Cain goes, oh my goodness, everybody's, I'm going to be murdered myself. And God says, no, I, I'm going to mark you and they're not going to kill you. 
And that even as Abraham, the chosen of God, God chooses Abraham and tells him, I'm going to make you to have many sons. But Abraham takes matters into his own hand, remember? And he takes the wife, his, his wife's servant and he sleeps with her and they have a child and, and, now, and God shows up and he says, listen, Abraham, even though you, you did stuff on your own and you did it wrong, I'm still here. I'm still going to keep my promises to you. I'm still going to work through you even though you did what you did. And, and then, then here's Moses and he murders a man and now he's wandering out in the wilderness apart from God and, and God shows up out there in the wilderness. And, and, and the fire begins to burn. And, and God speaks to Moses out of the fire and says, Moses, Moses, listen, I, I, still, I, I still want to do things with you. Or, or, or how about this? Joseph ends up in a prison and God shows up in that prison and says, no, I, I, I got a plan for you. Or how about this? Gideon is making bread down there in the wine press and God shows up down there and he says no I'm with you or how about this Ruth is in the field and and God shows up to her in the field or, or even David David's doing stupid stuff and God shows up in front of David and says no I'll forgive you and I'll keep you or or the bones of Elisha are filled with the power of the Spirit and people throw in God's there. Or, or Jonah, here's Jonah running from God in the whale and God speaks to him in the whale. Or the three Hebrew children are in the fire and God shows up in the fire and he's right there in front of him. And eventually down through time and history, God becomes a man. And and he, he takes upon the, the flesh of a human being and he comes and his name is Jesus of Nazareth. And there's a woman and, and she comes to a well and guess who's at the well waiting on her? Jesus is there waiting on her to arrive. And when she gets there, here's this Jesus of Nazareth sitting, waiting for her to get there. And he speaks to her and he said, if you, if you knew who I am and you know the gift that I have, you'd ask of me and I would give of you. Or, or, or think about that, that rich man, that, that powerfully successful rich man. And, and he, he's, he's up there in the tree and God shows up and said, I'll, I'll go home. I'll go home with you. I'll go home with you. Or, or that demoniac that is filled with legions of of demons and God shows up and, and God sets him free. Remember, God is like Jesus. How about the diseased, paralyzed man and his friends lower him into the room and there's Jesus in front of him saying, your sins are forgiven. Take up your bed and walk. Isn't it interesting that instead of God remaining with his back turned towards man, I want to suggest that God has been chasing man all along and getting in front of man. At every turn, God, man would run and God would get in front of him and make himself known. And eventually, as time would have it, here is, here is Pilate and Herod and the Pharisees and, and they begin to judge the Son of God. They begin to judge Jesus. 
And even while he's standing there and he's looking at them, he's filled with mercy and they hang him on a cross and the Son of God says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Here is God in front of humanity that's cursing and he doesn't revile and he doesn't beat back, but rather he forgives. God is like Jesus. God never changes. God is love, everlasting, eternal love. And the spirit of the living God is present today. It's not just a transactional event. It's an ongoing transformational event that God continues to place himself in front of us. And that today, as we remember that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried in a grave, that he rose from the dead, that today, wherever you are at, God is in front of you right now saying, I love you, I care for you, I forgive you, I'll be with you. No matter what the plague is, no matter what the challenges are, the message of the cross is still the most powerful thing in the world. It was on the cross that Jesus announced to the world, I forgive you, that's who I am. I'm a merciful, kind, considerate. All you have to do is receive me into your heart and the relationship is reestablished. You don't have to trust in yourself. You don't have to trust in the things of this world. All you gotta do is trust that I love you that I've come for you. I don't have my back turned towards you. I am in front of you. It's interesting. I would suggest today that, that, that we need to understand that on the cross, as he hung there on the cross, as they were, they were nailing him to that wood, as they were piercing his side, as he was bleeding, he's having a couple of different conversations He's having a conversation with a thief on one side and a thief on the other. That this thief on this side is the one that comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. That this thief comes into the garden of our lives and causes us to be suspicious about the intent and the integrity and the goodness of God. And he questions us and he deceives us and he disturbs us. And we begin to wonder, maybe God's holding out on us and maybe I need to break my relationship with God and go get for myself. That's this thief. And he curses the Christ. But this thief on this side says, thou must be the son of God. Remember me today in paradise. That's the man that's been deceived. You and I have been deceived. I believe we've been deceived into believing that God is not for us, that God's here to hurt us. God didn't send this plague. God doesn't send evil. God is good. God comes and gets in front of us to reveal his goodness to us. And he looks at this man. And he says, today, today, you'll be back in relationship with me. You'll be in paradise with me today. And so you see this horizontal communication going on. And then you see that he looks down at the foot of the cross and he sees his mother. And he says, mom, John, John, mom, behold thy mother, take care of my mom. I'm suggesting to you that as we see Jesus on the cross, that we're witnessing this conversation and identifying the difference between two thieves, one that comes to deceive and one, or one that comes to steal and one that has been deceived. And he reconciles this one in that he looks at his mother and he says, John, take care of my mom. And he looks up into heaven and he says, Father, Father, I, I cannot leave them. I can't ask you to take me out of this. 
I can't ask you to deliver me, Father. You must, I must stay right here. They didn't take his life. Jesus laid down his life willingly. No one took it. He gave it. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gives his life to us. He shows this great love. And hear these words. Father, I have found a bride. Father, I have found my people. And a man shall leave his father and his mother. And he will cling to his bride. And the two shall become one. I'm telling you, I follow Jesus not because I'm afraid of hell. I follow Jesus not because I want to go to heaven. I follow Jesus because on the cross he revealed to me a love that is greater than anything in this world or in heaven. A love that conquers death. A love that defies the diseases of this world. A love that keeps chasing me and gets in front of me. A love that pursues me like a hound, the old writer says. That God keeps coming and getting in front of us. And that when we died and we were in the tomb, that God descended into the same grave that we are in. And he went into that tomb and he was buried. And on the third day he rose again. That there is no place that God is not. David said, if I make my bed in Seol, if I make my bed in hell, then I find God there. And God descended into the hell of the earth. And he rose from the dead. And when he did, he brought out with him every man who believes in him. And the relationship is repaired. Hear me, take another look. Even Mary, standing at the garden, she thought he was a gardener. And Jesus said, oh, Mary, Mary, it is I. Even Cleo and his friend are sitting on, or walking on the road to Emmaus, and they sit down, and Jesus breaks the bread, and their eyes are opened. Take another look. God is more than you thought he was. The cross is more than you think it was. It wasn't just a transaction back here in history. It's a reality that's happening right now. God is with you. Wherever you're at, God is right there with you. All you have to do is open. Peter, Peter was hiding. Peter ran away because he had denied the Lord. And even though he denied the Lord, the Lord shows up and says, Peter, Peter calls him out of the boat. Take another look, Peter. Just because you denied me doesn't mean I stopped loving you. Just because you had a doubt in your faith, just because you've been away from me, just because you failed me, just because you you said you were atheist. Listen, I'm in front of you today. The resurrection is happening today, right now. It's not just something over there that, no, no, no. It didn't just, it's right now. To Thomas, think about Thomas. Thomas said, unless I see it, unless I put, and, and, and God shows up again. And he says, okay, Thomas, if you demand to see, I'll let you see. I'll let you see. The Bible says, blessed is those of us who've never seen, and yet we believe. God's in front of us. Think about Paul, Saul, who, who's got letters to kill the Christians. He's on his way to Damascus to kill other believers. And God shows up in that glorious, glorious light. And he said, Paul, what are you doing? Listen, the message of the gospel is bigger than just a transaction or event that took place 2,000 years ago. 
The message of the gospel is that God is still here today, getting in front of you and me. That he, he, isn't, he isn't got his back turns towards us. No, 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 no. He comes and he becomes flesh and he gets in front of us. He hangs on a cross and chooses us. And he keeps choosing us. And love keeps running after us. That's what's happening today. That's what's happening. And, and, and so, here's this great, great love. And it's the story we tell on Easter. And though I can't be with you and you be in this room with me, I, I, I know that God's in that room with you. And he's sit, seated right across from you. Right there. Right where you're at. And can I tell you, I didn't learn this because I read it in a book. I didn't learn this because I had some theological thing. I, I, it was revealed to me. It was revealed to me when I was about 17 years old. And I had ran away from home because I didn't think I could bear it anymore. And I drove all the way to Buford, South Carolina from Kansas. And I got there after 27 or 28 hours. And I fell asleep on my cousin's couch. He sold me out, that cousin of mine. He sold me out. He interceded on my behalf. He called my dad. And there I was laying on that couch that morning, early. And I was asleep. You ever, you ever been asleep? And you begin to hear this voice. And you know that voice. I knew that voice that morning. It was my dad. Somehow, someway... He had gotten to Carolina. And when he got there, he was sitting in the other room. And I sat up on the side of that couch. And I'll never forget it. I was so embarrassed. And I sat there and I heard this sound. And I heard this rustling. And Dad took a chair. <coughs> And he sat down in front of me. <laughs> and he put his hands. He just put them right there. And he was silent. He didn't say anything. And he was silent. And he was there. Finally, I said, Dad, Abba, are you going to say anything? And he said, son, I'm here, aren't I? And his presence filled my heart. And I knew I was loved. I knew I was cherished. I wished I could tell you that everything that was going on in my life at that moment was fixed. It wasn't. There's still problems. But my dad drove me home. Yeah, I, I wish revealed this gospel when I was about 17 years old. It's taken me almost 50 years to understand the seed that my dad sowed in my heart. Listen, God, God's right there with you wherever you're at. Whatever you're going through, whatever financial burden, whatever, if you've been one of these that have lost someone because of COVID-19, whatever... If you're an addict, 
And if you're on your third divorce, it doesn't matter. God comes and puts himself in front of you. And not very many years ago, two or three years ago, my son and daughter-in-law, they lost a child. It was horrific. It was horrific. I can remember sitting with them, praying for them, and not having the answers. I can remember sitting in his house, and he'd sit there, and not unlike me, I was angry, and he was angry, and we were hurt, and she was hurt, and all I could do was just sit there and love him. And I can remember going home, going into my own little office, and I was angry, and I was hurt, and then I would feel his presence come into my room. And God will be with you in trials and troubles and tribulations, in the viruses, in the joblessness, in the pain, because he hung on a cross and he took our infirmities, he took our beatings, he took our shame, and he defeated it. And he rose on the third day, he ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. He sent his spirit into our hearts. And because of that spirit, we can cry, Abba, Father, today. And we can be joined with him. And his spirit will come flooding into our life and comfort us and empower us and heal us and deliver us. Because his love is that great. It'll not fail. And it'll not change. Hear me. I understand the transactional realities of justification by faith. I understand it. I also understand that it is more than an event that happened 2,000 years ago. It is a relationship that's right now, that's happening in my life, that transforms me and helps me to transcend and live in these troubles and be of good cheer. For our God has overcome death, hell, sin, and the grave Overcome every plague. By his stripes we're healed. He continues to come to where we're at. And meet us in these moments. And give us his life. and Give us his hope. Give us his peace. More than anything in the world. We need to understand. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The most important thing. That I can share with you. Is Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He was resurrected. He ascended into heaven. He sent his spirit into our hearts, whereby today we can pray our Father who art in heaven. We know, we know today, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, so right there, I hope it's translating well. The gospel in chairs, God makes man.
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Christ is risen. Happy Easter.